Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I'm an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host with me today is my friend Chan. Hello. And today we are discussing Chapter 11 of Persuasion by Jane Austen. In Chapter 11, the Musgrove Party and Captain Wentworth go to Lyme to visit Captain Wentworth's friend, Captain Harville, and they meet Captain Bennock, and he and Anne have lots of conversations together. Lady Russell is supposed to be turning back up at Callant soon, so we don't know where she's been. She's been on holiday somewhere, and the plan was when she comes back, Anne will leave Uppercross and go and live with her until Lady Russell is ready to go to her wintering in Bath, as she does every year. This will only be the second time that she's taken Anne with her to Bath, but that's just only really briefly mentioned because the real bulk of the chapter is about them going to Lyme. Anne's been here for two months, so that's quite a while. It is. It's a long time. And we were right about it being November. It is November, which is rather feels like it is today, doesn't it? Sort of cold, wet and miserable and windy. Uh-huh. Bearing in mind that we in the Southern Hemisphere are not celebrating the joys of spring with Easter. <laughs> we are celebrating the joys of presumably eventually the harvest, which is the wrong way round as far as a lot of these sort of books go. So we've got November weather today, almost. Northern Hemisphere, Northern November Hemisphere, yes. weather. <laughs> Anne's concerned about Lady Russell and Captain Wentworth meeting anywhere, but she thinks that she would be rather leaving him behind when she leaves Uppercross because he spends all his time there. He he visits so much so that he's been gone for two days from Uppercross and they worry what's happened. (laughs) And we find out that he's found Captain Harville's at Lyme and he's gone over to visit him. Captain Harville was mentioned earlier Mm. um, when they were talking about not having women on a ship's and Admiral Croft pointed out that he had Mrs. Harville and her cousin and the children on the ship. The young people were all wild to see Lyme. Which wouldn't be a way of describing Anne by any stretch of imagination. (laughs) She doesn't include herself in that definition. Louisa, who was the most eager of the eager... And learning the pleasure of doing what she liked, as well as learning the merit of maintaining her own way. Is she a teenager or a two-year-old? Because both of those could be used to describe them. She's spoiled, but she's not a bad-natured. Oh, no, she's she's good enough, but she's sort of taking the wrong lessons from her conversations with Captain Wentworth. She's becoming more headstrong. As this proves later. And to Lyme they were to go, which reminds me of to Pembley, therefore, they were to go. <laughs> But it's 17 miles from Uppercross. So they decide to go and stay overnight because there isn't enough time, well, there won't be enough light to really enjoy Lyme. So Lyme is a place that you go on holidays and... Well, normally it's, it's a, a summer it's a, it's a summer, yeah. summer spot. So it's basically three and a half hours travelling time each way. Which is a lot to consider to do in one day. And particularly when you're talking about a rattly old carriage. Yeah. And these would be short days... They would have very, very little time to do anything and they'd be at risk of arriving home in the dark, which never want to drive in the dark if they can avoid it because it's so much more risky. They secure accommodations when they get there, which I was surprised by, that they didn't do it earlier. But they probably thought there was no need because in the winter there's no scarcity of accommodation. I'd still be worried about turning up and there not being anything. Then again, Captain Wentworth had already been there, so he'd have an idea of how difficult or awkward it would have been. But I imagine he stayed with the Harvels. So the dancing rooms are shut up. 
the landlord keeps apologizing that there's not much going on in town, but they're so <laughs> excited. And then it goes into this love letter about Lyme. It's like it's a lovely. tourist brochure. It is. A very strange stranger it must be who does not see charms in the immediate environs of Lyme. Romantic rocks and scattered forest trees and luxuriant growth. She's quite rhapsodizing over Lyme. I love the term of the principal street almost hurrying into the water. Like it gives it its own character. It gives the whole thing and its own movement. character. And then she talks about the sea mm. and whoever deserved to look on it at all as if seeing the sea is a privilege. It is a privilege and of course it constantly changes, doesn't it? It's interesting that they go there in the off-season, contrasting with Bath, because obviously winter is the time to go to Bath, and that's when Lady Russell's going to go, and that's when the Elliots have gone. And I think it's unlikely that the Elliots would deign to go to Lyme in the off-season. Oh, no, of course not. But you can still get pleasure, and I think this is what she's showing, no mean tides of wondering and admiration. And not even Louisa seemed to feel that part of Captain Wentworth long because they were so engrossed with the scenery and the place. And then we meet Captain Bennock, Captain Harville, and Mrs. Harville. And when we're talking about the pronunciation of Bennock, there's a W in there, but it's not pronounced, which is, I'm guessing, an English thing. I wouldn't have known that's how it's pronounced, except obviously I've seen the movies and that's how they pronounce it. <laughs> Yes, like a lot of English words, there's some silent letters in, in names. That's very confusing. Try Worcester sauce. <laughs> Captain Bennock is a really interesting character, uniting very strong feelings with quiet, serious and retiring manners and a decided taste for reading and sedentary pursuits. That could potentially also be used to describe Anne. And I wonder if that's why part of the reason Captain Wentworth might like him, because... I think in a lot of ways he's very similar to Anne, and they certainly draw comparisons, or she draws comparisons between them in this chapter. Mm. And Captain Bennock is living with the Harvels. We assume he can still work. It doesn't explicitly say that he can't, but I get the impression that Captain Harvel can't work anymore. Um, I thought it said somewhere that Captain Harvel can't because of his health, that he is lame. He can't work anymore, not in the Navy as a captain anyway. But he occupies himself. So Captain Bennock is the young man of whom Captain Wentworth had given him warm praise as an excellent young man and officer whom he'd always valued highly, which is rather in contrast to Charles's brother, Charles... Dick Musgrove? Dick Musgrove, yes. Who he was obviously struggling to find anything positive about. There's a description of Captain Harville not equaling Captain Wentworth in manners, but a perfect gentleman. Yes. And then Mrs. Harville, a degree less polished than her husband. And you get the impression that Sir Walter would hate them. They're exactly the sort of people he's afraid of. Yes. Because she's less polished, but she's raising in the ranks. She's raised in the rank as a husband has. As captain. And Captain Bennett comes across as quite a romantic character. He has a pleasing face and a melancholy ear. But there's a bewitching charm about them, which... Anne notices is quite different from the usual style of give and take mm. and formality and display. It's polite society rules versus real friends, real people and real manners. With Captain Bennock living with state of mind, the country and the retirement really suited to him. The sympathy and goodwill extended, excited towards Captain Bennock was very great. And Anne reflected that he has not perhaps a more sorrowing heart than I have. And she can't actually believe his prospects are quite so blighted 
She's right. She's and she says right. he will rally again. Which, of course, is a little bit of a foretelling. But we have her, yeah, quite clearly comparing them to each other because they've both gone through a loss. She's a real observer, which even though Captain Bennix seems similar on the surface, I don't think he's an observer like Anne is. She's very astute with what she sees. She just doesn't put herself out. She doesn't express herself. Captain Bennick may be shy, but he's actually not retiring. Because he seems quite willing to engage her in conversation yes. when, yes. She, when she starts conversation. Yes. So we look at the way that the Harbles live, and it gives you an idea that Anne and Captain Wentworth may have struggled if they'd married before he became rich. And she has a moment's astonishment when she sees their house. But she really appreciates how Captain Harble keeps himself busy and has great talent at excellently worked up things with the curious and valuable things mm. that he got from distant mm. countries. Then it was also talked about that Anne felt her spirits not likely to be benefited by an increasing acquaintance among his brother officers because she felt that she'd be seeing more and more of him if she meant met more and more of his brother officers. And also that those were the people who would have been her friends and now she couldn't regard them as her friends now because she hadn't married him. So she had to struggle against that great tendency to loneliness. Again, when you look at the difference between Captain Bennett and Anne, she's hid her melancholy mm. and her loneliness. Nobody really knows of it. No one that she lives with certainly has any acknowledgement of it whatsoever. So they're not really as similar as some people might think they are. So Anne is hardening herself to being in Captain Wentworth's company. Mm. And it sounds like they actually talk now, but just the interchange of common civilities when they have to. Which must be very painful when all you can talk about, basically, is the weather. They go back to the inn and have dinner, and then Captain Harville and Captain Bennett come to visit them. And this is where Anne starts having a conversation with Captain Bennock and mm. starting to form a relationship with him. He did not seem reserved. It was rather the appearance of feelings glad to burst mm. with their usual restraints. Yes. Like, Here's someone I can talk to, someone yes. who actually wants to hear. And That's right. He was shy. But, but, <laughs> but he's pleased when yes. she mentions his situation because what we didn't mention before is that he was engaged to Harville's sister and she died. He's being pointed out like a romantic hero and I think perhaps he imagines himself that way. The word that came up for me, he was an emo. He would have been an emo in today's world, you know? Woe is me walking around sort of slightly gothic. You know, his reading material, he loved poetry, but all his poetry, as as Anne says, is morose, you know. <laughs> it's sort of all the melodramatic tenderest songs and what passion descriptions of hopeless agony of another with tremulous feeling and, and a broken heart or a mind destroyed by righteousness. I mean, he was, he's wallowing in his grief. And it's very different to Anne. I think this is one of the things that really points out the difference between them is that she doesn't hide herself away from society and she doesn't wallow in her feelings. She takes herself away. She has a need to make herself of use, so she makes herself of use. And that's her way of coping. I love the way she, she sort of suggested it might be a good idea that he should enjoy it somewhat more sparingly. She ventured to recommend a change of going for a little bit of prose, perhaps. 
and such works of our best moralists, collections of finest letters, such memoirs of characters of worth and suffering as calculated to rouse and fortify the man mind. So she was trying to sort of suggest he might expose himself to a little bit of people that have overcome and perhaps learn learned from there. Yeah. To give him his due, he was he was charming. He listened to her. He didn't rubbish her or anything, and he seemed grateful for the interest. You know, he may have thought it was he had little faith. He did actually note down the names, so he didn't ridicule her ideas or anything. He he spoke to her as an equal. He was kind in that regard. He was certainly respectful. And I think that's probably also a nice change for Anne to have someone actually listen to her when she speaks. Mm. And I think particularly, you know, it finishes off with her being amused at the idea of coming to line to preach patience and resignation to a young man whom she'd never seen before. But then on serious reflection that, like many great moralists and other preachers, she had been eloquent on a point in which her own conduct would ill bear examination. I so don't very think honest. she's wallowed like he has. No, 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 it's no wallowing. But I think recognising that she may well not have felt she could have made any other decision. And I think she believes that she did make the right decision but she hasn't necessarily got on with her life she could have for example taken on charles musgrove but she's chosen that captain wentworth is a great love and nobody else is going to fill that gap so she's just going to be the younger sister and presumably a spinster aunt looking after children but it's lovely to see her being appreciated And not just in a way which is for looking after the children or anything like that. She is well regarded. The respect and admiration that the characters expressing for the Navy and thereby Jane is talking about Captain Harville and even Benwick as a young man, very admirable. The camaraderie, the relationship with them, the honesty between a lot of them, the lack of pretension. And Louisa praises the Navy as well. It's a bit hard to take her seriously, though, because it's Louisa. She was convinced of sailors having more warmth and worth yes. and warmth than any other set of men in England. I wouldn't call it another Lydia. Definitely not that. She's got far, far better head on her shoulders and a much kinder personality. But I think she is inclined to be blinded by the uniform a little bit more and the excitement and the romanticness. And that's not a bad thing. To somebody pretty secluded in the countryside, the idea of the Navy going to foreign lands and everything is really quite exciting. They didn't have much, but what they had is they'd got various little curious articles and things that they'd brought, that Harville had brought back from his visits. Even his shelving, he was a carpenter. He turned his hand to absolutely everything. And he made what was a very humble abode, a very welcoming abode, a very attractive place. His lameness prevented him taking much exercise but he had a mind of usefulness and ingenuity. So I think Jane demonstrated a lot of admiration for sailing men all the way through her books, and I think this is probably one of the ones that really brings it out. And it's interesting because she does have other branches of the military. She Mm. has soldiers and other books, but they're never spoken of like this. Obviously, she's got Brandon and uh, Fitzwilliam, but she doesn't really know so much about their life. Being in the Navy, there's an awful lot of hurry up and wait. You're either an action or there's a lot of just doing nothing at sea while you're sailing around. But they keep themselves so very busy. And they learn skills, really useful skills. And she thought of the great happiness she left behind her when she quitted the house. And yes, Louisa burst forth into raptures of admiration. 
And that is our summary of Chapter 11 of Persuasion by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!